Welcome to the Solutions 360 podcast. Uh, I'm very happy today to have Michael Tannock with me. Uh, Michael is the author of Ruthless Consistency, How Committed Leaders Execute Strategy, Implement Change, and Build Organizations That Win. Uh, this was released by McGraw-Hill on September 1st. Uh, you've also posted over 400 blogs. Uh, Michael is also the president of Making Strategy Happen, a consulting firm that helps committed leaders turn ambition into strategy and strategy into reality. For the past 20 plus years, he has instituted the structure and discipline of his strategic management system in organizations across North America. Previously, he managed the consulting division at the Atlantic Consulting Group, and prior to that, held a leadership role at FedEx. Now, Michael's earned a PhD in the psychology of human performance from the University of British Columbia. He's a former national championship winning college football coach. He's also a member of Marshall Goldsmith's 100 Coaches Global Initiative. Michael splits his time between Denver and Vancouver. And today we find you in Vancouver. Is that correct, uh, Michael? Yes, I am. Yeah, and great to be with you today, Brad. Thank you. It's a great pleasure to have you today. So do you mind if I start just by reading the first paragraph of your preface? I found it very sure. interesting. Okay. So you say, I want to make you uncomfortable. I want to bring you face to face with what you haven't done, but need to do for your organization to win. I want to provoke a smoldering discontent for the way things are and a fierce resolve to change them. That's a pretty strong opening. How did that, how did that come about? <laughs> well, the, the un underlying premise of ruthless consistency is that leaders, despite good intentions, are not as committed as they need to be. And we think we're committed, right? And we say, yes, I'm committed. I want this to happen. But commitment is really evidenced by all your decisions and all your actions. And when tested, what we often find is those decisions and actions aren't ruthlessly consistent with our intentions. So that's really, that's really the underlying premise of the book. Well, it sounds like a simple thing to do, but why is it so hard? Because there are a lot of things, a lot of decisions we make, a lot of actions we have to take, uh, and everything we do counts. You know, the first principle in the book is what's more important than anything you do is everything you do because everything sends a message. Everything sends a message about your commitment to, to winning, to succeeding, to, to executing, to implementing. And any single thing misaligned could undermine everything. So, you know, quick example, if you, you, you trumpet excellence, but you tolerate, you know, uh, poor performance, well, that sends a message that you're not committed to success. You know, if you point to the moon and say, that's where we have to get to, but you won't, you know, fund the rocket to get there, again, you're sending a mixed message. So everything we do, everything we say, everything we do, everything we don't say and don't do also sends a message. All of the arrows have to be pointed in the right direction. Again, we have to be ruthlessly consistent where everything is aligned with our intentions. One of the things that, that really struck me is um, you say to develop the right focus, leaders need to stop strategic planning. That just seems counterintuitive to everything we've <laughs> heard. Can you explain that? Yeah, it does. The thing is, I think strategic planning has become an exercise with the, the goal being to create a plan. And people think, well, I need to have a strategic plan. So therefore, I need to do strategic planning. Well, the fact is, most of those strategic plans, once they're created, either collect dust or go off the rails. And the failure rates for strategic planning have been documented to be, you know, in the range of like 70 to 90 percent strategic plans that don't get executed. So the point is we need to put an end to the strategic planning charade. You know, planning puts the focus on the wrong thing. It's not about planning, it's about execution. So I prefer the term strategic management. 
And it's a process, not an event. It's not we have this event to create a plan. It's a process by which we manage our organizations, an ongoing, a cyclical process, and it has to be managed. So the strategic management process is a different mindset. It reframes our thinking around strategy and execution. Very good, very good. Um, can you uh, talk a little bit about um, why leaders need to be coaches as opposed to what we typically think of as being managers in an organization? The, the prime difference, Brad, is that coaches take responsibility for the performance of their people. Coaches ask themselves, what do I need to do to help my people perform at their best? What do I need to do to you know, press the right buttons, pull the right levers, create the environment? What do I need to do? And when you think of coaches in sports, you know, imagine that a coach for a, you know, a hockey game you know, comes out at the beginning of the game, you know, an NHL game, you know, team comes on the ice, and then just before the, the puck is dropped, the coach turns around and goes to the dressing room, comes back at the end of the game to critique the players and how they performed. Well, unfortunately, that's how many managers manage. They point people in the direction, you know, go back to doing other stuff and then come back after and critique performance. Well, the point is, if you want your people to perform at, your, at their best, you want them to be engaged, you've got to be engaged as a coach. And that means giving them feedback, you know, meaningful feedback, helpful guidance, reinforcing them. Uh, holding them constructively accountable. As a coach, you've got to be active. You've got a shared responsibility in the performance of your people. So that's why I think it's a, again, it's a mindset. If we think of managers as coaches, not just managers, it implies there's a more active role. And that's really about the culture of your organization as well, isn't it? A exactly. culture of coaching. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, culture, I mean, all of this points towards culture because culture, I think, is an, an outgrowth of the environment you create and the people you have. So it's something that has to be actively created. And by being a coach, you know, that again, creates this expectation, this culture where, you know, there's a shared responsibility for performance. And you, you talk a lot about commitment in your book, but if I talk to a lot of managers and businesses, I'm willing to tell I'm willing to bet they will say to me, I'm absolutely committed. What would you say to that? <laughs> You're absolutely yeah. right. And the, my standard opening to my presentations, I, I open with a question and say, how committed are you to winning? And, you know, I'll ask people and either, you know, if I'm in a big group, all the hands will go up and I say, you know, how many people are a nine or 10 on a 10 point scale? Most of the hands go up. If I'm in a small group, you know, I'll go around and ask people to say very committed, totally committed, 100% all in. Well, the reality is at the front end, everybody says they're all in. By the time we get to the end of you know, the presentation, you know, you see the eyes look down and people are a lot more sheepish. Oh, I'm not as committed as I thought I was or need to be. And that's what I try and, you know, really convey in the book, not in a punitive way, not in a criticizing way, but I like to, I hold up a benchmark of what commitment looks like, you know, with examples and practices and processes. This is what true commitment looks like. That's the benchmark. How are you measuring up? And I think most leaders, you know, being honest with themselves would admit they're not as committed as they need to be or have been in the past. Well, I like what I hear about ruthless consistency, but uh, as a leader, where would I start to become ruthlessly consistent? Uh, look in the mirror, Brad. Right. Okay. <laughs> Ask yourself, you know, and very honestly, how, how committed am I to winning? How committed am I, <clears throat> excuse me, to success? And and then look at, look at a change initiatives that you've put in place or strategies they've executed. And maybe some of them, you know, haven't been uh, successful or maybe some have gone off the rails. Why? What could have I done to prevent that? 
What could have I done to overcome the things that, you know, that caused it to fail? And when we painstakingly look at what our role is in this, then I think we're, we find that there are a lot of things we can do. And again, the, the book outlines through a model, you know, as a leader, you need to be able to, to align your people, to equip them, to coach them, to support them, to value them as individuals. All those things have to be aligned and you have to build the right team. So, you know, the intention of the book is really to outline all the things you need to do to be ruthlessly consistent. And there are a lot of moving parts. Um, about 15 years ago is when we first met. Um, I was at a tech meeting. And I was very taken with uh, your uh, speaking. One of my favorite stories was about you as, as a mountain climber. W would you mind sharing that with us? <laughs> right. So, you know, as a mountain climber, if you're climbing at altitude, you know, of course, the oxygen is thin. And to give you an idea, you know, climbing at over 20,000 feet in the Andes, we were taking, and we were very fit at the time, we were taking three breaths for every step. So imagine seeing the summit, you know, far ahead and, you know, step. <sighs> step. <sighs> so that's the pace you're going. So when you're climbing at altitude, you know, and your, your lungs are just, you know, uh, you know, just sucking for air, your legs are searing, you know, you're fatigued. The last thing you want to do is give up hard one altitude. So you're climbing, you're climbing, and one of the most psychologically challenging things is you get to a rise in the mountain, and then you see you have to descend into a gully before you can get to the summit. Oh, I've got to, you know, I've got to reclimb, I've got to regain all that altitude. Psychologically, that is, that is tough. But the reality is, the point is, there is no other way to get to the summit. Sometimes you have to descend to summit. Well, the same is true in business. We have this illusion sometimes of nice straight line growth. Boy, if only we could grow at you know 10% a year, every year with no bumps, no hiccups, wouldn't that be wonderful? Well, the reality is sometimes we have to descend into the, the gullies. What does that mean? Well, maybe we have to make some sacrifices. Maybe we have to give up some product lines that you know just aren't resonating with the market anymore. Maybe we have to fundamentally change our business model. Maybe we need to make a strategic acquisition. Maybe we need to invest in technology. There are times we have to retrench, regroup, reinvest, and that involves going down into the gully, but that's the only way that will enable us then to achieve a, you know, uh, attain a greater summit. Fabulous story. And we talk about that a lot when we talk about the J-curve, you know, when you're going through major change in an organization. And if you expect it um, and you know it's coming, it makes it that much easier to deal absolutely, with it. Absolutely, absolutely. It's when you don't anticipate it, then people start to panic. Oh my gosh, but we have to get... We have, to be, we have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And in business, you know, these natural curves over time, the J curves, as you say, it's going to make you uncomfortable, but that's okay. That's how it's supposed to feel. So if we can get comfortable being uncomfortable, at the same time, you should be uncomfortable if you get too comfortable, you know, because you're probably not anticipating what's, uh, what's uh, lurking beyond the corner. Very true. Well, it's been a great pleasure talking to you today. I, I highly encourage anybody who wants to get your book to... Uh, to look on Amazon and where else can you, you purchase it? Right. Uh, on our website, makingstrategyhappen.com, you'll see a link to your you know, favorite online retailer. Yes, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, Ruthless Consistency, our website's makingstrategyhappen.com. Great. Thanks very much, Michael. Thanks, Brad. Great to be here.